The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. The day after John had baptized Jesus, John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher. Where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which, translated, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are times in a preacher's life that he or she can't wait until the confession to confess. So I have to confess. I tried to teach this morning, and I got all tangled up in the scriptures that I've been studying all week and reading in too many different translations, apparently. So um, I, I can that uh, particular rendition. And, you know, if, if I mess up with this anymore, I'm going out that door. <laughs> this weekend, that is the weekend we remember and perhaps reflect on about the state of racial equality, once envisioned and passionately sought by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. 
and so many other African Americans and clergy of many colors. This weekend has a power greater than just a time to remember one man or even the many martyrs who died seeking equal rights for persons of color. Yes, the remembrance of this weekend has the power, if we allow ourselves to look back, to remember, if you're old enough to actually remember, or perhaps you're young enough to have read it in school, to remember what this country looked like before the 1960s, and to look where we are now in regard to race relations, systemic racism, institutional racism, to inquire of ourselves, how far have I come in fulfilling my baptismal vow to respect the dignity of every human being? Not how far have they come, not how far have you come, how far have I come? toward doing those things that we promised and reminded ourselves of last week when we renewed our baptismal vows. I'll say it again, the promise to respect the dignity of every human being. So let's explore for a few minutes. Would you, who are here this morning, be willing to come and Seek with me for a few minutes to look into the gospel story, to consider what that might have to do with this particular weekend, and even what it might have to do with our learning something about ourselves and our possibilities and capabilities. Just before the reading from John's gospel for today, just the three verses, in fact, before, a verse leapt out at me as I read the section. It's not in our bulletins. It's just before the reading. It's just a half verse, but it was like a, flash, a flashing light on a dark night in a at a strip mall. John, the gospel writer, reports John the baptizer saying, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know. Among you stands one whom you do not know. The one who is coming after me. Of course, we know the baptizer meant Jesus. Those words hung in the air as I read and reread that passage this week. Among you stands one you do not know. What a guttural, heart-wrenching, solemn truth. While the baptizer meant the actual person of Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, He is among us. How many times has He been among us? And we did not know it because we could not see past 
dirty clothes, messed up hair, skin color, breath smelling of liquor, actions that might have hinted at drug use. How many times in our lives, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, and now the 2020 years, as he stand and we do not know him. Even those of us who declare our faith, study the scriptures, take torches on religious topics, pray daily, even toward the goal of praying without ceasing, Jesus the Christ, the Holy One of Israel, still comes, still moves within our world and life, and we miss him. We move around his truth and disclaim his desire among the nations. Among you stands one whom you do not know. Those are haunting words. Words we would do well to let swirl in our heads and settle to our hearts before seeping into our souls as fodder for our evening prayers. And again and again, fodder for our morning prayers. Would you think, would you not think that we would be further along on the path to equality and racial harmony than we are now? Fifty plus years after Dr. King, and not just Dr. King, but so many others, He's just a name we can identify and sort of put clothes on and think about. There were so many others, some named, some unnamed. Why is it that we are still in the position of having to deal with so much hatred across racial lines? Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Those words are true. They're true in America. They're true in countries across the world. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. He also wrote, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. What a wonderful statement to contemplate and think about during this season of Epiphany and with the collect we had today. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the light for the world. And without that kind of love, the darkness will remain. And certainly we know that if I hate my brother, it's not going to help me any. It's not going to make the relationship I have with my brother any better. Because hate cannot drive out hate. Jesus knew that. 
He would not hate those who took him to the cross. He would not hate those who nailed those ungodly things into his hands and feet. He would not hate. It was not in him. Sometimes he stands among us and we do not see him. This weekend we have a chance to hear the baptizer's words and Jesus' words in a different way. Because the Spirit of God is still around, still amongst us, even if we do not know that he stands amongst us. To recognize that God in Christ through the Spirit is around, his word, we have to come to this. We have to answer a question. It's kind of a basic starting point. What are you looking for? Simon and Peter went off to follow Jesus because they had been trained by Jesus, taught, I'm sorry, trained by the baptizer, taught by him that he was John the baptizer was just the forerunner. There would be one coming after him. And so when the men followed Jesus, Jesus turned and said, What are you looking for? What are you looking for? We're always looking for something. Some of us, it's our glasses that's sitting on top of our heads that we don't know where they are. In my case... It's my iPad that I lost nearly three months ago in my house. And I have yet to discover it. What are we looking for? If we want to know, we can tell what we're looking for in our lives by seeing how we spend our time. What do we think about most of the time? Where do we put our energies? And there's another way. We can look at our checkbooks or our credit card statements. And most likely we can tell at least part of what it is we're looking for. If we discover that maybe we aren't looking for something, at least something that would make our lives different, better, deeper, more, Shall I say real? We can change. We can change. If someone says we don't have to repeat history, we can change. Doesn't matter how old we are. Doesn't matter how young we are. When we look and think about what am I looking for? If we don't find something there that suggests a deeper, higher value that would satisfy us in ways that we sometimes can't seem to be satisfied, then we have a chance, my friends. We have a chance to change. Jesus calls Simon and Peter. He's here. He's here. He's here right now. He's here in the mass. He's here in the music. He's here 
in his word. And he's asking you, what are you looking for? Come. Come with me. Come, come with me. Come see what I've got going for you. Can we learn ways that our little tiny part could help to respect the dignity of every human being? Could we teach a child to read? Tutor a student? Could we do something with parents who can't read to their children, let alone read the directions on their prescription bottles? Is there anything we could do for youth who so they don't have to escape abusive homes and either escape by drugs or escape by literally walking out the door and not coming back. Michael Marsh, who is a minister, says in a sermon called Looking for the Way Home, which is based on the gospel reading for today, said this, we answer this question, Jesus asked, by our choices, the decisions we make, the priorities we establish, the relationships we create. We answer his question, Jesus' question, by the things we have done and by the things we've left undone. I think our lessons today is calling us, if we'll let it, to be introspective to take a good look, to choose the course of our life. God is asking us to go deep into ourselves and discover our deepest longings. Does what we are looking for provide energy for the journey home? Does it provide hope for our brothers and sisters who have no hope? Are we spreading compassion where compassion is most needed? Are we loving each other in such a way that a time will come in new and old relationships as we have built, as we have been with these people that we know but we don't know, as we find more ways to be with them, really with them, we'll probably find a way we'll be able to say, Come and see. Let me show you where I mentor. Let me show you where I worship. Let me show you a part of my life that you haven't seen. Come and see what I'm doing. And then let it speak for itself. You don't have to tell somebody about this church. You don't have to tell them everything we do or what, what we sing or how the bulletin looks. Sometimes you can just say, well, why don't you come and see? Come and see. I'll pick you up. Come and see. They may come and see what they've been looking for and would have never darkened the door of a church if somebody had not said, come and see. You know, Dr. King 
when he was first asked to head up this movement, civil rights movement, he wasn't interested. He had a church. His mama's daddies were with him in church. His mother played the organ. His father was a great preacher, Daddy King. Wasn't interested. Had a beautiful wife who'd given up her career as an, a singer of elegance to be his bride, to raise his children. Wasn't interested. It kept on. The people around him kept on. And there came the time when he said, okay, I'll come and see. I'll come and see if I can be the drum major. I'll come and see if we can put a coalition together to start making changes in this country. He discovered over and over again that he recognized that the Lord was indeed amongst them. The white people, the persons of color, the people in the jail, the people out of the jail, the people with batons, the people holding their arms up so they wouldn't get hit. He saw Jesus. And it kept him going. Dr. King isn't perfect. I guarantee you that. He was human. He had his sins, like everybody else. But he was willing. Because bottom line, when that question kept coming back to him, Martin, what are you looking for? And he said, equality. Equality. The right to vote. The right to wear, to a right, excuse me, a, the right to get on a carousel in Baltimore, Maryland. The right to have a sip of water out of any water fountain the right to eat at a diner and the right to take his children and have them able to stay in a motel as opposed to scrunched over in an old wagon. What are you looking for? We're just a small group of people. And yet, God's taking the time this morning to be present, to ask each one of us, what are you looking for? And if your answer is a better world, for my brothers and sisters. And the next thing we need to do is to see our brothers and sisters. 
and see what we can do. If I can change one student so that he or she will graduate high school and have a chance to go further, I've done something. If I can help one parent find the resources to learn to read because they can't read and were never taught in school how to read, then I've done something. I've started an entire generation of change. That's what this is about. Let me just finish this by saying, what if, what if, Jesus had said to Peter and Simon, oh, you wanna know where I live? I live over there in Bethany right now. I, I've got a room in one of the places, I'm there. They probably would have said, oh, okay. Jesus said, come and see. There are people around us. If we value what I've talked about this morning, what John wrote about, what we hear in our own hearts and minds, we can make a difference. We can be our tiny little drum major to help things change. And maybe, maybe enough of us over the next few years will recognize that we don't have to keep living in this mess. We can have equality. And 50 years from now, another preacher will say, you're not going to believe how it used to be. You're not going to believe it. And thank God, it's not like that anymore. Amen.